today we begin our series entitled Dog Days of Summer. And, and you know, we hear this term, or we've heard this term at some point in our life. When I was a kid growing up, I loved listening to baseball on the radio. I listened to the L.A. Dodgers. I was a Cincinnati Reds fan. I lived in Tucson, Arizona. But the Dodgers were the closest team to, to my hometown, and so I had to listen to all the Dodgers games. But I remember old Tommy John. talked about Tommy John Radio. And Tommy John would have this little saying in the middle of the summer, it'd be July and August, and he goes, we're in the dog days of summers. And we, we hear that term, and we kind of automatically know what it means. It's just kind of a hot, drawn, long period of time. And over the next six weeks, we're going to talk about people in the Bible who've gone through hot, difficult, long seasons of their life. Difficult seasons of life. We're going to look at some Old Testament characters and some New Testament characters. You know, we, 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 we like the heat as long as we don't have to stand out in it very long. We recognize that we live in a community. We moved here. When you moved to Florida, if you didn't know that there was going to be heat, someone lied to you. But we know that there's going to be heat. I heard someone once say, it's so hot. And they said, how hot is it? It's so hot. Come on, it's so hot. How hot is it? It's so hot. I saw a chicken lay an omelet. It's so hot, the Jehovah Witnesses started a telemarketing campaign. It's so hot, I saw a squirrel picking up nuts with a potholder. It's so hot, I saw two trees fighting over one dog. <laughs> Come on, that's bad. That's hot. Uh, we're going to read about a man by the name of Moses who went through a hot season, a difficult, a, a desert season of his life today. And I want you to stand with me as we read the word of God. Exodus chapter 3, we're going to read verses 1, 7, and 8. Exodus 3, 1, 7, and 8. And then we're going to look at Deuteronomy chapter 8, verses 2 and 3. Exodus chapter 3, beginning with verse number 1. And the Bible says, now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the back of the desert. Someone said, backside. He went to the backside of the desert. And he came to Horeb, the mountain of God. Next verse. And the Lord said to him, I've surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt. And I've heard their cry because of their taskmasters. For I know their sorrows. So I've come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up from that land to a good and large land, to a land flowing with milk and honey. Now I want you to turn to Deuteronomy chapter 8. We're going to look at Deuteronomy chapter 8, verses 2 and 3. In the Bible it says, remember how the Lord your God led you through the wilderness. Everyone say wilderness. For these 40 years, humbling you and testing you to prove your character and to find out whether or not you would obey his commands. I want to speak to you on the topic this morning. Only a faith tested can truly be trusted. Only a faith tested can truly be trusted. Let's pray. Father, in these next few moments, we are so thankful for the reality of your presence and who you are because of what Jesus, our Savior, did on the cross. Father, we thank you for that revelation that you have given to us today, that we are saved by your amazing grace and kindness. 
And your grace not only sustains us, you know, you not only saves us, but it sustains us. And it takes us through the difficult and challenging seasons of our life. We bless today. I pray for every person that's here today, no matter what season of life they're walking through, I pray that you'll give them a spiritual ear to hear. Equip us today, Lord, to become the people you created and called us to be. We love you, Jesus. Now, Lord, give me an unction to function one more time. In Jesus' mighty name, and everyone said, amen. You may be seated. Not a person on this planet can escape trials, challenges, tests, or difficulties. They are a great promise of living in a fallen world. Lee Robertson was a great independent Baptist preacher back in the 1940s and 50s. And one day at a great big conference, there were thousands of, thousands of pastors in the room. Lee Robertson was the keynote speaker. He was asked to speak on how does a man of God go through troubles. As he got up to the platform that night, he stood before the congregation. He opened his Bible and he said, I got one word. How does a man of God, how does a man of God become a man of God? Trouble. Trouble. The troubles and the trials of life are, are the reality of what every single person in this room experiences. In the Bible, we see this term wilderness or desert. And when we see the term wilderness or desert, it almost always has a sense or a connotation of a dry time, a difficult time. A hot time, a hard time of life. The desert, I'm, it's something that I'm familiar with. I spent the first 19 years of my life living in the desert. I, I know what it is to experience heat. We have heat in Florida. The temperature gets up in the 90s and it's sweltering with, with the humidity. But I know what it is to step out on the pavement. When the outside temperature is 115 degrees and the asphalt is literally melting underneath your feet. I've actually been, as a child, we would take an egg on a really hot summer day in southern Arizona and we would crack it on the sidewalk and you could watch it start to cook. Hot heat. You know, we think of difficult times, we think of hot times as barren, dry, there's very sense, very few of our senses are stirred by it. But I've stood in the desert sands of Death Valley when it's 122 degrees. And I can tell you that there are smells in the desert. There are smells in the desert that you will smell nowhere else. There are sounds in the desert that you will hear no one else. I, 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 I've, I've stood there in the hot, dry sand, and it's almost like the sand is crying up from the earth for moisture or for rain. There's a sound to the desert. There's also a sight to the desert. There will th be things that you see in the desert that you won't see or experience in any other area of life. Now, deserts... Deserts have seasons. I've been in the desert when it's extremely hot, but I've been in the desert in the night season, out hunting in the middle of winter when it's very cold. Our seasons of life are reality. There are good seasons, medium seasons, seasons where it just seems like where we're going through the emotions. And then there's hard seasons, desert seasons, wilderness seasons of life. You know, we would avoid these seasons. We would avoid these seasons if we could. 
But the word desert in the Bible has this understanding of sound or one who speaks. It is in the desert season of life that I have found that we hear the voice of God most clearly. The voice of God most clearly. As we look at the life of Moses, we, we see a young man who, who had, was born into privilege. He was born into privilege and he lived, lived the first 40 years of his life in a very comfortable position. But he would end up in the desert or the wilderness for 40 years in preparation for which he would spend the next 40 years with a group of people in their wilderness or desert season. The desert seasons of life for each of us are a time of self-discovery. It's a time that we discover not only who we are, but we discover who God really is to us. The book of Job says it like this. Job chapter 36, verse number 15. By the means of their suffering, he rescues those who suffered. By the means of their suffering. Jesus said, in this life, you will experience persecution or adversity or suffering. For he gets their attention through adversity. He gets your attention. He gets my attention through seasons of adversity. In the desert, it can seem to be a lonely time, a lonely place. You could be in a crowded room with thousands of people. You can be in the workplace surrounded by other employees. And you can still have that great sense of feeling all alone. I don't know what your desert season is. I don't know if you're going through a desert season now. Some are going through a desert single of feeling single, trying to live life and having a great desire to be married. It's been a long season of the desert for them. Uh, For some have a wayward child that's gone astray and is not following the path of the way that they were raised. And you've been in a long season of life. In our room, even this morning, there are those who suffered the loss of a loved one. They're going through a desert season, a hot season of life. The desert seasons of life are the seasons, the seasons that we all experience for one of two reasons. One or two reasons we experience the desert seasons of life. The first reason that we possibly can experience the desert season is because of our own choices. And we look at the life of Moses. The life of Moses experienced two different times in the desert. Two different faces of the desert. The first one was because of his own actions. Growing up in a house of privilege, although he was a Jewish boy, birth to a Jewish mother. He was raised in the house of Pharaoh the, the, as a prince of Egypt. And at the age of 40, he had a great sense of destiny. He had a great sense of calling. He knew that God had made him for significance and purpose, but he was going to do it on his own. He was going to make things happen. He was living large and in charge. He was going to make his destiny. He was going to forge his way in the world. And he came upon an Egyptian man who was beating a Jewish man, and he took it into his own hands, and he got into a fight. And he didn't intentionally do it, but he killed a man. He killed a man. Because of that choice to act out of his emotions, 
to, to take things into his own hands, he found himself in a very challenging season. You know, we make choices in life. We have life and death before us almost every single day. We choose what television programs to watch or not to watch. We choose what conversations to engage in, to not engage in. We choose what foods to eat, what not to eat. We choose. We make choices. And the Bible says God lays before us the opportunity to choose life or to choose death. In one moment, Moses' life was radically changed. Radically changed. The Bible says in, in Exodus chapter 2, verse number 15, when Pharaoh heard about what Moses had done, the Bible says that he sought to kill Moses. But Moses fled from Pharaoh and stayed in the land of Midian. The land of Midian. The Midian was the place where, 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 Mount, where, where Moses received the law of God. It was in the desert season, the desert place that Moses would encounter God. And the Bible says that he sat down by a well. Moses ran. Moses ran from his problems. Sometimes we feel like if we can just escape. We can just go someplace and we can sit in a hammock and drink a Mai Tai and forget about all the problems of life. They still won't exist. The fact is Moses could try to run from his problems, but everywhere that Moses went, there he was. Everywhere that you go, you can try to run from your problems. You can try to drink your problems away. You can try to bury your problems or deny your problems or move to another city. And guess what? You'll just find yourself a new set of problems. Moses ran. Because of Moses' actions, he found himself in a very dry season of life. But you know what I love about God? God doesn't waste a mistake. God doesn't waste a mistake in your life or in my life. The mess that Moses found himself was the beginning of the work of God's grace that would turn Moses' life from a mess to a message of amazing hope for a whole future generation. But Moses also found himself in the wilderness because of God's direct activity. Because of God's direct activity. After 40 years of taking care of his father-in-law's sheep, a man from position and power, and prestige, having everything that the world had to offer, to finding himself in a place, the backside of the desert, and, and, and a place called Midian, where it was dry and dusty and dirty, relegated to the role of being a sheep herder. Among the Egyptian people, the sheep herders were the lowest, lowest, lowest class of people, from the top to the bottom. But it was there in that season that Moses would learn. Moses would learn two things. He would learn who God is, but he would also learn who he was. See, in the desert, we learn who God is. Everyone say, who God is. And we learn who we are. Moses learned who God was in his life. God's working in each of our lives. God's preparing every single one of us for a preferred future. You see, the first school that Moses entered into, when Moses went to the, the, into the desert, he entered into the, the school of the wilderness or to, into the school of God. 
He spent 40 years in the school of man preparing and learning. The book of Acts said that, that he was trained in all the knowledge and the literature of the Egyptians. God would take this knowledge and God would take this wisdom. He would learn and he would use it as a preparation for the future that he had in store for him to lead his people into the promised land. And so he, say, he started in the school of man, but he would finish in the school of God. In Exodus chapter 3, the Bible says that Moses was tending the flock of his father-in-law, father-in-law Jethro. Moses would learn to be a servant. Jesus said, if you desire to be great in my kingdom, you must become a servant of all. It was in the school of God that Moses would truly learn the character of God and the desire that God had for his life. See, he learned, he learned, he learned of God. The first thing that he learned, he learned the word of God. It was in the desert, it was in the wilderness that God spoke to Moses and gave him the commands, the moral law of God, the civil law of God, the ceremonial law of God. It was in the desert season when when Moses met with God face to face that God taught him his word. I love what the psalmist said. Psalms 119 says it like this. For I find my delight in your commandments, which I love. I will lift up my hands toward your commands, which I love. I find my delight in your word. It was in the desert that the word of God began to speak to Moses in a way that it had never spoke to him before. When you were in the desert season of life and you open the word of God, and it becomes a lamp unto your feet and a light unto your path. Unto your path. It's in the dark season of life when you understand that the word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword dividing between bone and marrow. It's in that dark season of life where God takes the pain of your life. And like C.S. Lewis says, he gets your attention. The pain is like a, the megaphone, megaphone blasting in our ears. God speaks to us. We hear his voice. We can hear his voice more clearly. Not only do we learn the word of God, we learn the ways of God. The psalmist said, he made known his ways, his ways to Moses and his deeds to the people of Israel. So not only do we learn God's purpose, but we also discover the power of his presence. In Exodus chapter 3, verse number 2, the Bible says it like this. And the angel of the Lord appeared to Moses in a flame of fire from the midst of a bush. Moses is just taking care of sheep. Moses is just out there being a servant to his father-in-law. And Moses experiences the presence and the power of God in a very unusual and very uncanny way. It would be in this moment where Moses receives his call. It is in this moment that Moses discovers the power and the greatness and the awesomeness of God. That God was, his God was the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. 
and that God would reveal himself to Moses in a flame of fire in a bush. But let me tell you today, that God has revealed himself in a flame of fire by the power of his spirit that lives and dwells inside of every person who calls on the name of Jesus. God doesn't just live in a bush. God now lives inside of your heart. And it's that presence. It's that power. It's when you're walking through the dark seasons of your life and you have this promise of God. I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. The presence of God. Moses learned. Moses learned in that season that God's presence was always with him. He was transformed. He was transformed because the desert seasons, the dark seasons, are always about character development. It's always about transforming us. It's not so much what happens to you, it's what happens in you. God does care what happens to you. He does care. Don't get me wrong. God cares what happens in the mundane areas of your life. God cares what happens in the big areas of your life. But what God is most concerned about is the internal working of his spirit inside of you that's conforming us and making us more like Jesus. More like Jesus. More like Jesus. More love. More joy. More peace. More righteousness. More of his holiness. More of the reality that he is at work in every single detail of our life. Because it's in his presence that we discover that he truly is our provider. God's your provider today. When you're going through the dark season, whatever you have need of, you're not going to find it anywhere else. But in, the, in your relationship, in your acknowledgement, in your worship, and in the presence of Almighty God. The provision of God. I, I, I've, I've thought about this. I've seen this in big ways and small ways in my life personally. But just recently, I've had something that that really just kind of stuck out of my, my heart and mind that, that I realized that God is involved in every detail of my life. To the children of Israel, God told Moses, listen, your people will not leave empty-handed. They were in the desert, or they were in bondage and captivity for 400 years, but when he called them out of darkness, when he called them out of slavery, God said, your people won't leave empty-handed. They won't leave in a position of lack. I will provide everything they have need of. On Easter Sunday, April 4th this year, before the third service on Sunday morning, I was sitting in the back room, and I started feeling uncomfortable. I had never had this experience before. I wasn't quite sure what it was, but I was feeling extremely uncomfortable. I came out, and we did the service, and, and God was with us. It was a great day. God moved powerfully Easter here at City Church. We're thankful for all that he did. But I went to lunch that afternoon, and at lunch I was feeling very, very challenged. Just I was wiped out. I had no emotional energy. I, at first, I thought it was just because of the services that we had that weekend, but I realized it was something beyond that. My head was pounding, and, and I went home, and I laid down on the couch, and, and I had a headache like I haven't had a headache. I was screaming, and my, my son Keenan was giving me a hard time. He thought I was faking it. I said, I'm not faking it. My head is pounding, and I, I fell asleep, and I laid there, and I started to feel better, and and the next day I got up and I realized that there was something not right. And so I, I, I knew that there was something that happened and it, and it was happening to me. And so I made an appointment. I went right into the doctor. And when I went into the doctor, they did some tests and they found that I had an abnormality in my heart. 
Now, I've never had any really physical issues. I got a few sinuses. I take a couple of sprays of Flonase before I come here in the morning, and I just cruise along. And but I realized that uh, something was taking place in my body, and and so I was trying to get an appointment to see a cardiologist. And very difficult, very difficult. We're self-pay, and I didn't have a cardiologist lined up, and they told me it was going to be like two weeks before I could get into. And I'm like, I ain't waiting two weeks to find out what's wrong with me. There's no way. And if you know me, that, that ain't going to happen. And so I got on the phone, and I started working it. And, and that evening, I, it was a Monday night, I walked over to Publix across the street right over here on the corner uh, on International. And I went into Publix, and, and as I walked in the door, this man stopped me, and he said, you're Pastor Eugene, right? And I said, yeah, I'm Pastor Eugene. And he said, uh, you're doing a great job. I said, well, thank you. I appreciate that. And he says, I said, well, who are you? He says, uh, well, we attend City Church. And he says, I'm Dr. Robert Maldonado. I said, really? I said, well, what do you do? He said, I'm a cardiologist. I said, really? Really? Number one heart surgeon in Central Florida. And immediately, he makes one phone call. Guess what? I'm seeing a cardiologist the next day. See, God knows exactly what you need, exactly the right time. God always has the right people in the right place in the right time. He has the right relationship. I couldn't have made that happen. I've been on the phone all day, and I couldn't make it happen. He told me his name, and I went home, and I forgot it. <laughs> Thank God for Google. Amen? We Googled it, and we found him. And I'm okay now. I'm all great. Feeling great now. Amen. Not only do we learn about ourselves, but we also, not only do we learn about God, we also learn about ourselves. It's strange that many times after our greatest breakthroughs, after some of our greatest victories, after some of our greatest highs in life, we immediately find ourselves in our lowest lows. No different from Moses. Highest highs to lowest lows. There's something in the human heart. There's something in our human heart that's prone to wander from God. If life is good, all is easy, money's in the bank, have food at the table, job seems to be secure, husband and wife love one another, kids are basically getting along, there's a tendency to forget God. There's a tendency to forget the priorities of our relationship and the purpose for which he created us. The children of Israel are a great reflection of the human condition. The reason that God told us these stories about the children of Israel and their wanderings. In one moment serving God and the next moment not serving God. In one moment serving God and the next moment serving God. Because it tends to be the condition of the human life and their walk with the Lord. The children of Israel, they had a propensity to forget God. In Exodus chapter 32, verses 7 and 8, the Bible says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Go down, because your people whom you brought out of Egypt have become corrupt. You guys know the story. You, know the, you saw the prince of Egypt. You saw the movie. Moses takes the children of Israel after ten plagues have been poured out. And, he, and the Pharaoh finally agrees to let the people of God go. Moses, is, he crosses across, he goes across the Red Sea on dry ground. The miracles of all miracles. It is a miracle of biblical proportion. There has never been another miracle like that before or since. Amazing miracle. 
And immediately, literally, within three months, three months of a supernatural, miraculous miracle of God, three months, guess what? They forgot God. Look at what the Lord says. Look at the Lord says. They've been quick to turn away from what I commanded them. They made themselves an idol, cast in the shape of a calf. They bowed down to it and sacrificed to it and said, These are our gods, Israel, who brought you up out of Egypt. What a cheap substitute for the awesomeness and the mightiness of the God of all creation who simply spoke the worlds into existence. They would take the substitute a thing that was a God in the world that they lived and try to fashion it and make it into the image of their God. God is God all by himself. (laughs) Our human heart is prone to wander, turn from God. And what I have found that so many times God allows difficult seasons, challenging seasons, God's allowed them into our life to get our attention. God was frustrated. God was frustrated. You know, we, we are a grace people. We are a grace people. We are thankful. I, I start almost every single prayer now. Thank you, God, for your grace. I mean, I just, the older I get, it's grace. Everyone say grace. Come on, everyone say grace. Everyone say grace. But there are plenty of warnings for us in the scriptures. Don't frustrate, Paul says, the grace of God. Don't frustrate. Don't tempt God. They were tempting God. They were living like the devil and thinking that they could still walk in the blessing and the favor of God. It wasn't going to happen. We are grace. We are grace-driven. We love grace. We thank God for grace. But there's also truth. And the truth is God speaks to, to us today. In our pain, in our adversity, in the hot dog days of summer, we're going through a dry season. God's speaking to us. God's speaking to us. What I've just, Miranda was talking about it when she was leading worship, but there's something that happens when you get into the presence of God. There's something that happens when you begin to worship Him. You worship through it. When you're going through hell, just don't stop. Don't camp out in your misery. Don't build a monument or a tent. Keep moving forward. The children of Israel, God was using this man Moses. They were in a desert season. God had one goal to sift, to reduce, to bring them to reality that they needed Christ alone. In Exodus 33, verse number 15, the Bible says, Then Moses said to God, If your presence doesn't go with us, do not send us up from here. How will anyone know that you are pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? And the Lord said to Moses, I will do everything you ask because I'm pleased with you and I know you by name. Others, others weren't following God. Moses knew that he couldn't do it without God. God, I'm not going to take one step. God, I'm not going to start that job. God, I'm not going to enter into that relationship with that man or with that woman. God, I'm not going to take one step unless I know that your presence Your presence has gone before me. God, I I need your favor. I need your grace. Better is one day in his courts than a thousand elsewhere. I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of God than sit in the wealth and the courts of the wicked. 
Come on, I'm telling you today. In the presence of God, there's fullness of joy and life evermore. In his presence, in his presence, the heart is transformed. The burden is melted. The weight is lifted. The weight is lifted. I shared some good news with a worker over at the academy this week. And as I was talking to this young lady, she just looked at me and she said, I feel like 20,000 pounds just got lifted off my shoulder. That's exactly what happens when you bring your burdens, when you bring your cares, when you bring your problems, when you bring your concerns, and you stop trying to figure it out on your own. You, try, you stop trying to play God, and you allow God to be the Lord of your life. And you stand, and you wait, and you're in his presence. And like Moses, you pursue him. Say, God, I need you. God, I'm not going to take one step unless your presence goes before me. That passion, that passion for God. Moses, he pleaded for God's presence. He pleaded for God's power. What he was saying is, God, I put my faith in your promises today. God, I put my faith in your promises today. Forty years in the school of God's desert was preparation for Moses so that he could lead others. I want you to see this one last verse in Deuteronomy chapter 32. Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse number 10. The Bible says, God found him, Israel. God found you in a broken place. God found you in a desert season. God found you in a howling waste of the wilderness. I, I don't, it doesn't and it does matter what's happening in your world. Don't get me wrong. It does matter. But God's found you today. God sees you today. He found Israel in the desert, and they were broken. They were far from God. They'd made a mess of it. Bad decision after bad decision, questioning leadership, in rebellion, rebelled against God, rebelled against his authority. And God found them in that place. This is the promise. This is what we got to discover about ourselves. Are we people of faith? Or are we going to live as people of fear? See, when you know that God, look at he does. The Bible says, he encircled them. He encircled them. He encompassed them. He surrounded them. Jonah tried to run from God. Come on. Jonah tried to run from God. Oh, I, I'm going to run from God. I'm going to run from my problems. I'm going to run from the call and the destiny and the purpose of God. I'm going to live for myself. And he found himself in the belly of a whale. And guess what? He couldn't hide from God in the belly of a whale. You can't hide from God at the end of a bottle. You can't hide from God in a pile from all your money and your cash you've saved up. You can't hide from God when you're laying in bed next to the wrong. You can't hide from God. You can't hide from him. The Bible says that God found them in a howling waste of the wilderness. And he encircled them. And he cared for them. He cares for you today. Jesus, speaking to the multitudes of people, said, listen, it's like this, guys. It's just like this. There's these birds that fly around. Your father knows when one falls to the ground. You know how much he cares about you? There's this little lily. There's this little flower that I have planted by the front door of my house. And, and it's looking really pretty right now. But if it gets too much sun, like it did last week, 
It's going to wither up. It's going to wither up. And you know what? God saw that little petal that fell to the ground while I'm talking right now by the front door of my house. Because he cares. He cares for the lilies of the field. How much more does he care for you? Cast all your cares upon me, for I care for you, says the Lord. And he kept him as the apple. He keeps you today. <laughs> he keeps you today. Man, your foot, like David said, you almost slept. You almost slipped. You almost fell back into the old way of life. But God caught you. God kept you. You are the apple. You are the prized possession. You are the crown jewel of God's creation. You are valuable. You are special. You are loved. You are created. You are made in the image of God. He, he cares for you. And he keeps you. In the next verse. The Lord alone guides them. God's guiding you today. Not an accident that you're here on this Sunday hearing this word for some of you. Some of you, this was a word in season. A word in season. So what do we do today? What do we do today? 2 Corinthians chapter 1 says it like this. For the promises of God, the promises of God are yes in Christ and through him the great amen. The promises of God, every promise that Christ made is for you. It's for you. Close your eyes. Father, thank you for this moment of grace. Thank you that you are here at work in our lives. You're speaking to us. Thank you, Lord. Thank you that you encircle us. Thank you that you care for us. Thank you that you keep us. Thank you that you are guiding us. There's no detours in our life. God, we might have felt like we've made mistakes and missteps and wrong turns, but you're the God who is there guiding us. God, we thank you today that we put our confidence, our hope, the promises of God are yes and amen to them that believe. We believe, Jesus. We believe today that you are taking us through this desert season of life. We believe today, God, that you have a promised land in store for every one of us in this room. In Jesus, in your name. In your name. I want to stand together this morning. You're here today, desert season, challenging season, dry season. Maybe you're feeling like in a wilderness of God. You have, it's been so long since you've really heard the voice of God. You, you've really had that sense of assurance and confidence. In this moment, as we begin to worship, I just want you to lift your hands towards heaven. I want you to pursue him. Moses pursued God. He was passionate. He said, God, I won't take one step unless your presence comes before me. Come on, let's just lift our hands towards heaven right now. This morning. I 